0: practical tips, tools, and resources you can implement today to bust through your own internalized prisons of worry and doubt. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box.
1: Welcome to this episode of the No Labels, No Limits podcast, a podcast all about helping action takers and decision makers like you align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life hi i'm sarah from sarah box coaching and consulting i'm a change agent former executive director and best-selling author of the changemaker ripple effect a book about how one person's drive purpose and boldness can impact thousands and i'm here to tell you that the life you want is possible with the right support mindset and strategy. In today's podcast, we're joined by Maria Lees, former teacher and now startup business owner at Maria Lees Writing and head team writer at Sarabox Coaching and Consulting. Maria believes in the power of words. She says the words you choose to put on your website or in the emails you send to your list are the first impression your potential clients will receive. They make the difference between a connection and a rejection, a client and an unsubscriber. So in this episode, you're going to hear all about why Maria decided to start her own writing business and leave teaching, what she's learned about working successfully as a virtual partner with her clients, and she's going to reveal how she's juggled being a new mom and new business owner for the past year. What she's learned while doing deep research for the Assess for Success Summit. We'll tell you more about that later. And now let's welcome our guest, Maria Lees. Hi, Maria. I want to say, first of all, I'm really excited to have you on the show. And second, happy anniversary since we've been working together.
2: Happy anniversary. Uh, I'm telling
1: you, who knew? You know, who just I never knew. I thought this will be great, I'll try something out with Maria, and I just couldn't let you go. So I'm so excited (laughs) to have you on the show. But before, yeah, so before we dive in though, the audience and I want to know what's one non negotiable ritual that you do daily that keeps you heading in the direction of your big vision. You
2: know, as a as I, kind of like you mentioned, I'm juggling my business. I am a full-time stay-at-home mom. The days can sometimes be a little bit unpredictable. So what really helps me kind of stay on track with all of that is I'm very protective over that first hour of my day. I do my best, you know, when everything is working well with my, my little baby to get up for an hour before she wakes up in the morning. Because I just need, I need some time to just start the day and kind of ease into being awake and, you know, what the day is going to look like. And so kind of during that hour, the few key and consistent practices I have are, you know, drinking some coffee, doing some prayer time and reflection and kind of creating a goals list, mapping out, you know, what is today going to look like? What am I hoping to accomplish? What do I have on the task list? You know, and Sometimes I'll go further into kind of what what's the week going to look like, that sort of stuff. But it just, it really, really helps me to start the day off on the right foot and feel like I'm not waking up into chaos, but I'm kind of starting in control and like I have a vision and I, you know, I know what I'm getting myself into for today. And I can definitely, I, I can tell the difference on the days I don't do that. It is not the same.
1: So let me ask you something about that because I have a similar process and I'm curious if if when you look back, you know, like first of all, let me ask, do you look back over maybe over a week or even longer about, okay, here's how I thought it was going to go. Here's how it actually went. Here's what I learned. Do you do kind of that reflection piece or just kind of keep going forward?
2: Absolutely. I usually do that kind of at the end of the week. So you know I'll get to the end of the week Saturdays and Sundays uh, one one of those two days I'll always sit down and kind of take more of an extended time to more in- depth map out the upcoming week you know looking at okay what do I have going on in business what do we have going on just in our family schedule and you know what's the grocery list gonna be like all of all of those things but it's also kind of when I look back at the previous week because part of planning the next week is looking at okay what did I get done and what do I still need to do? <laughs> that, you know, is on the docket for for Monday or, you
1: know, whatever. Yep. So share with us why, and I, I can tell we can hear Rosie a little bit in the background, which is pretty cool. And for <laughs> listeners, when we have business meetings, Rosie's the silent partner in the room. Sometimes silent, sometimes taking sometimes over the keyboard.
2: <laughs> yeah, sometimes she likes to play and join the business conversation. You know, I kind of imagine that someday... She's going to be a little business owner of her own.
1: (laughs) I think. I think she's well. From the womb. So let's start and share with our audience. First of all, why you decided to start your own writing business and leave teaching? Because when I met you, you were like six months pregnant and just getting ready to launch your business full time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So that decision kind of I would say even goes back further. Like into my childhood. Um, I have always, always loved writing. You know, I was, I was that kid that would skip recess to just sit on a bench and write stories in my journal, which, you know, it's always a little bit interesting, but that was me. Like from a young age, I loved writing. Like I was always kind of captivated with the power that words have and the impact of being able to craft sentences in a way that make people listen, whether it's telling a story or, you know, writing an opinion essay or doing sales copy or, you know, whatever it is, words, they matter, they change things, they influence things. And so even when I was a little kid, that was something that kind of fascinated me. So since as long as I could really hold a pencil, (laughs) I think I was, I was writing um, obviously more as a hobby and a passion for a long time. And when it came time for me to kind of choose the career path, you know, I didn't, I, you know, at the time, I didn't really know anything about business and definitely didn't know anything about self-startups or, you know, kind of doing your own thing in that. So that just wasn't even on my radar. Um, so I, I decided to go into teaching and specifically I chose to become a writing teacher kind of because because of that childhood passion I wanted to be able to pass on to the students that I worked with that same love for words um, and really teach them that they have something worth sharing and learning how to communicate their thoughts and their opinions in a way that is constructive is something that is needed I think in this world can and I just I thought,
1: tell you how much I agree with you <laughs>
2: yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, I feel like it's a skill that, you know, not enough people have.
1: <laughs> well, or if you know Paul Simon's music, I'm just saying, Slip Sliding Away comes to mind. So um, yeah. anyway, I'll st- no editorializing, Sarah. So Maria, <laughs> back oh, to your business decision.
2: Yeah, so anyways, that's kind of how I landed in teaching as a writing teacher. And I did, I loved it, you know, and it was... It was really cool getting to see children kind of learn learn the power of words, and um, so I did that for several years. And then, and then my husband and I got pregnant and uh, found out we were expecting our first child. And that started, as it does, all of the important life conversations about what is this going to look like, how are we going to do it, you know, all of the logistics that you need to figure out when you're expecting a baby. And one of those important conversations, of course, is how you're going to handle childcare. And, you know, we investigated all the different options, you know, nannies, daycares, you know, everything. And as we kind of talked and prayed about it, it just, you know, became clear that for us, our first choice was to have me be at home with her. That's something that I've kind of always been interested in doing. You know when it when it came time, it was something my husband was very excited about as well. And so, we kind of made the decision shortly after finding out that our daughter was on the way that I was going to be a stay at home mom. But we needed to figure out, obviously, logistically, how to make that work from a financial point of view. You know, losing my teaching income was a big deal. And so I started doing all the Google searches. You know ideal stay at home mom jobs or how to make money from home and you know you get so many different things that pop up when you do that kind of research you know MLM companies and you know babysitting like setting up a babysitting agency from your house or if you're really creative like making etsy products and selling them and you know lots of different ideas and options that work for a lot of people but none of them really stuck with me and uh, Rosie's deciding to contribute. None of them really stuck with me. They just didn't spark any interest um, and didn't really fit me and my personality. And so I started doing some serious self-reflection and you know, writing down like, okay, what are my skills? What am I even good at? What do I like? What are my passions? And, and what can I come up with out of this list that I can do at home? And as soon as I started to do that reflective work, it just became obvious. Well, writing. Writing is what I'm good at. Writing is what I've always been good at. It's what I've always loved and been passionate about. It fueled my other job decision. Why shouldn't it fuel this one? And so as soon as I kind of came to that, you know, self-discovery, it, that was it. It just clicked. You know, writing was the way to go. And I basically just dove in head first. I was still teaching full-time, So my lunch breaks and my evenings and my weekends and all of my free time just went into building this writing business, and it took off pretty quickly, which has been an enormous blessing. So I've loved every step of it so far.
1: So far, and that's great because we all benefit from your work.
0: But (laughs) let me ask
1: you this. So, you know, when it did take off quick for you, who are your, do you have typical types of clients? Let me ask you that. Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, the majority of my clients are small business owners or solo entrepreneurs, and they're all primarily people who, they've been building their businesses for a little while, and they're in a position where they're ready to grow, and so they're ready to, you know, increase their sales or grow their impact in some way, and content becomes a huge piece of that, you know, how you... Create your blog content, what you're sending to your email list, what goes into your newsletter. All of those things are really important when it comes to continuing to grow and scale a business. And so that's when I find people typically that are in need of wow. you know, both the content writing and the strategy that I do. My clients themselves are in a variety of different industries and niches all small businesses and business owners. But that's been really fun for me. I've gotten to learn a lot about a lot of different topics that I otherwise probably wouldn't have explored. And that really feeds like the natural curiosity and learner in me. So it's been fun.
1: It's like staying in school.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: You know, and every time (laughs) you write something, (laughs) well, and every time you write something, it's kind of like writing a paper for school in some respects, right? You have to think about what's the takeaway? What are you trying to communicate? So that's pretty cool. Right.
2: So transferable skills.
1: They are. Well, I think what's great is how you talked about really thinking about um, what you loved and you're good at. And what was so funny when you started to share that was I'm thinking, even with all your skills and knowledge and how you'd been working professionally, it's a good reminder to all of us that there are those moments when we think, what am I good at at this moment? You know, and um, it's, But I'm looking at you and thinking of all your talents. I'm going, how could you ever ask yourself that? So I I do think that's a really good reminder for all of us listening, that it's just Mm -hmm. a normal, reflective thing to do, especially when we're making change. Yeah. So because you have so many different kinds of clients and industries that you work in, Maria, what have you found helps you be successful as a virtual partner? Are most of your folks virtual with you? All of them. Okay. All of my
2: um, clients are virtual right now. You know, what I've kind of found, first of all, I love the virtual work and it's been like a, it's been a surprising like gift. I think one of my biggest like fears, I guess, when I left teaching, cause I'm naturally, I'm a people person, you know, I love to talk to people. I love to get to know new people. Um, and I was so nervous about you know going from a a school where you're surrounded by people all the time to working from my house. You know, I kind of figured that I would just go crazy not having the interaction. And the beautiful thing about virtual work is that I've gotten to meet so many people like you that I never would have crossed paths with if I didn't do this kind of work. And um, that's been really neat. But what I think makes it successful, you know, and what helps. When you're partnering with somebody in a virtual way i think is similar to what would make work successful you know in any capacity and whether it's virtual or not i think what it comes down to is relationships that that's the key and kind of the cornerstone i think of so much so much of anybody's success and the strength of their work i think can largely be measured by the strength of their working relationships and how they partner with other people how they communicate and I think working in a virtual space, this becomes even more probably important to focus on because um, you do have to work at it a little bit more. You know, it's different than if you go to an office and you just, you see everybody every day because you're in the same building. And so the relationships foster a little bit more naturally in the virtual space, you've got to plan for it more. You've got to look for opportunities to communicate and communicate consistently. Um, you know, one of the things that I do You know, obviously with you, Sarah, and with all of my clients that I really have enjoyed and I think has been so helpful in building those positive relationships that have allowed me to work successfully with them is to have monthly Zoom calls where, you know, we go over the content for the upcoming month, we talk about the calendar, we talk about what went well in the past, what we're working on, goals, all of the different things, you know, and that's been so helpful, I think, for me. Just getting to know the clients that I work with, getting to know their goals, their businesses, their brand. And I think probably most importantly for me as a writer, it helps me immensely getting to know people's voice. Because that's a large piece of what I do is being able to capture the voice of, you know, another person or business. So that would be impossible without relationships.
1: I agree. And do you, were those same skills, did you have to apply them a lot differently in the virtual world or were you able to take what you, other than the frequency and the informality that can happen when you're in the same physical space with somebody, did you have pretty much the same approach to your relationships when you were person to person?
2: You know, what I've, I think people are people, you know, so if you're interacting with them in person or you're interacting with them in a virtual space, there's a certain level of familiarity that just comes from working with another person. I think what is different is the level of communication that's needed. So, you know, if, for example, in our working relationship, you would have no idea if I had questions or if I'm working on something or if I've made progress on a project, if I didn't send an email and let you know, or, you know, reach out. Um, It's different than if you're, you know, working in person and people are kind of walking by and can kind of see like what you're doing without you having to actually communicate it. And so that's something that I've learned to be much more intentional about is making sure that, I am updating and keeping people in the loop and being consistent um, because otherwise no one would have any idea what's going on and that's that's not helpful for anybody
1: No from the flip side that creates anxiety right yeah. it's like but the truth is the more and I agree with you I think our monthly or even sometimes more frequent check-ins have been really helpful just mm-hmm. to make sure because sometimes the team our team has different ideas than what like just floats in my head and it so it, it helps a lot to have those conversations so we're not in isolation from one another
0: tired of feeling stuck and ending with the same result want to know how sarah can help you with one-on-one or organizational coaching then book your free discovery call at sarahbox.com forward slash contact now back to the show
1: But the other thing I think that you do particularly well, Maria, two things. One is you're really great with the communication loop. Like you say, you anticipate, you you know, say, here you go. You're very upbeat in your communication. And it cracks me up. You always say invitation to edit. And I'm thinking, thanks for the invitation. Cause I can't read without thinking about like, does this fit or not? Why, why? Um, but so I'm thinking that's such a nice little thing to say, <laughs> but you're, but the other thing that you bring just as your personality is you're just very open right? You're not um, resistant. Yeah. You're open for sharing ideas, for coming up. And you've taken a huge leadership role of actually advancing the work, saying, well, this would be my recommendation. So mm-hmm. from a client perspective, or what I think a team partner perspective, um, yeah. it adds huge value. And that's not something everybody can do, you know, mm-hmm. because you actually take ownership. And mm-hmm. that's a really powerful. Um, thing. So I'm guessing from back on the early days on your bench writing and making up stories, you've just always had the sense about owning your work and how it yeah. shows up in the world.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's been it's something that I think is so fascinating. It's just how I really think everybody has so many skills that could work in a variety of different settings and industries that they just don't even realize are transferable. Cause that, you know, that kind of what you're saying, that ability to strategize and plan content and anticipate what's coming next. And, you know, that's curriculum planning. And, you know, that's that's what I've been doing for years, just in a different capacity. And so it's been really fun to kind of repurpose skills that I've been building and developing for years. They just look a little different now.
1: Right. And it's a good chance to apply them differently as things change. And I agree with you. Working virtually is so great because you're right. There are people I wouldn't know you. You know, I wouldn't know summer. So um, I just and our guests and all of that. So I want to um, ask you now that you're formally head team writer, um, (laughs) I couldn't believe we were talking before we started the interview that it actually was a year ago, February, that you and I connected. And that year has loan bar. And, it really um, has. So I want to thank you for adding to the quality of my life. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, thank you. It's been really fun and amazing to be part of the journey.
1: Well, so, you know, we've got this whole... Uh, virtual summit that we're doing as a team and you've been busy doing research and writing some of the um, instructional articles and helping people understand assessments from the back end, different kinds of assessments, right? And Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, what is something that you have either found interesting or been surprised Uh, by when doing that research? Hi, Rosie. (laughs) (laughs)
2: I think the thing that has interested me the most, kind of in doing this research about assessments, is how interdisciplinary assessments are. How they really are important in every industry, for every you know level of leadership or type of person. Um, Just the importance of data and you know how it can grow us in our work or personally. You know, I remember when I was teaching we data was everything I mean we would have data meetings all the time you know to inform our instruction and make plans for our school and you had to do that to make sure that you were doing what was in the best interest of students and it's been really cool just to kind of realize oh this is everywhere this is everything like there's no way that you can know if the work that you are doing is effective if you are meeting your goals what your strengths are as an organization or as a person what your weaknesses are where you need to grow you know all of that if you're not collecting data if you're not regularly doing assessments and it's been I think for me good to kind of redefine mentally assessments is a good thing I think that word sometimes can have like a stigma, like reminds us of when we were in high school or college. You're in trouble. (laughs) Right, yeah. And um, no, it's been been good for me to kind of redefine it mentally and recognize like, oh, wait a minute. No, first of all, assessments come in so many different shapes and sizes. They can look a lot of different ways and they're really valuable no matter what kind of work you're doing.
1: It's true though. I mean, there is that kind of, There's oftentimes when I'm working with organizations, there is that kind of immediate pause, like, is this an audit? Are you going to find us lacking? That kind of thing. Um, And I think that goes back to early, early, early in our lives, right? Like, like test taking or you'll be found somehow deficient. And yeah, But when we take the spin, like like you've been showing through your writing and the research you've been doing, that really, it's a starting point for discussions. It's data, it's information, uh, and it's how we apply what we learn that Mm -hmm. makes the difference, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, you know, when you had your data meetings in school, so I'm going to ask you to go back a little bit. It's not too far removed for you. Uh, What was the tone or the environment? the tone I think of the discussions when you were um, looking at data, was it one of curiosity or one of worry because of the numbers? How did you approach that in a way that helped the team foster Mm -hmm. interest in changing or growing?
2: Well, that's an interesting question. I've worked with a lot of different teams and everybody, I think everybody has kind of a little bit of a different relationship with data and assessments, and that kind of influenced the tone of the team. Um, so I've been in some, in, you know, the most effective environments and teams that I was a part of were definitely the ones that were going at it from that place of curiosity of, this is informing us so that we can be better. This is a good thing. It's a tool. It's not a criticism or you know anything like that, but it's something that empowers us to do our jobs well and effectively. And I've worked with some really incredible people that have gone at it from that perspective, and those meetings have been so helpful and have led to, you know leaps and bounds in terms of the work that we were doing day to day as teachers. I've also been in some environments and teams where the environment was more anxious and it was looking more at like, okay, like if we don't hit our numbers, you know, for the year, what's that going to mean in terms of our state's evaluations? (laughs) And, you know, that, that was always difficult because I think when you go at it with that perspective where fear is kind of your building block everybody gets stressed and when you get stressed you shut down and it doesn't actually lead to change it just freezes everybody
1: it absolutely does that's the perfect description it freezes people and um the whole shutdown it's like well what clearly this is doom and gloom what are we going to do about it probably can't do anything about it so um yeah it's no that fear-driven kind of push push can be really opposite of what you're trying to get
2: oh absolutely
1: so I will say in some environments the fear based may be relevant especially if it's some sort of environment where it's public safety or it's like well we're not here to casually learn about this. We're here to do something right <laughs> this now. <is>
2: important.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't feel good with the CDC going, oh, yeah, those numbers aren't good. Hmm. What are we going to do? Let's think right. about it. Right. Right. So, but I would say in our typical environment, especially the one you and I work in, being curious helps because mm-hmm. it makes people more interested in learning and changing and feeling good about Absolutely. themselves. So, so mm-hmm. Maria, when you. Think about people who'd be listening here and maybe they're going, well, I was thinking of starting a business after my kids were out of the house or, oh, I don't know how I can do that. How do you balance being a new mom and doing consistent great work? Oh, and by the way, having a family, the rest of yeah. you know, like your husband, your family.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think the first thing that I would say to anybody that's considering doing that it's definitely possible you know i think if you're motivated you can do anything that doesn't mean it's easy <laughs> but it is possible i think the the way that i make it work first and foremost is i am i'm very lucky to have such a supportive husband who on the days where it's been tough and, you know, things have been hard and I'm working late because Rosie had a hard day or whatever. He's cheered me on and rallying me. It was supportive right from the beginning when, when this idea felt scary. I remember like when I first came up with this business idea, I was nervous to tell him because I didn't know what he would think because it just, I don't know anybody that does this except for me now. And so I wasn't sure how he would react. And I was very blessed that he was supportive from the get go and has been supportive every step of the way. in you know, helping me out, obviously, with our daughters that I can get work done. And, you know, that's been very helpful. But, you know, that I think the single biggest, aside from that support from him, thing that has helped me strategy that's helped me is, I plan and plan and plan and I have backup plans for my backup plans (laughs) because the reality and anybody who has children knows this, your plans don't always work out and the things that you think you're going to do today, doesn't always happen. And that's been an adjustment for me as somebody who's used to living life on a bell schedule where every 90 minutes the bell would ring and tell me to switch activities (laughs) Um, having to, you know, let go of that like rigid structure and be okay with the fact that sometimes my plans aren't going to go the way I want them to, and that I don't need to get frustrated about that or give up. I just need to come up with a new way, come up with a plan B, and roll with it. Um, has been a, it's been a mental adjustment and kind of a growing process. But yeah, I think the biggest thing is, you know, I, like I said, I start my day planning my day. When it doesn't go the way I want it to, I reevaluate and I come up with a plan B. When am I gonna get this work done? If it's not now, you know, when is it gonna be?
1: And do you have a formal close down to your day?
2: As far as like a routine? Is that what you Well,
1: want? to the degree that you can make it a routine, but yeah, like do you have a typical, I try to end work here or at night, this is how I shut down so my mind calms down?
2: The majority of days, I try to end work around the time my husband gets home so that we can do kind of the evening together. You know, on the every once in a while day where the nothing went according to plan, which happens. You know, sometimes I'll work on some things in the evening if I need to, but the the bulk of the time I try to be done by the time he gets home so that we can kind of spend that time together. I'm a big, big utilizer of nap time. You know, that's been (laughs) a very helpful, helpful thing for me in terms of getting work done. Um, And then, you know, the last hour of the day or so is kind of my time with my husband. We just read books or drink tea, watch a show, kind of just unwind and have a little bit of time together since he's at work all day long. And, you know, I'm busy doing everything that I do during the day. So that's kind of like sacred time at the very end that we just spend some time together, which is always nice.
1: Yeah, you kind of bookend your day with some sacred time, some in the morning for you and some for you as a couple at the end of the day and
2: Absolutely. And then
1: life happens in between.
2: Life happens in between and you know, every day's a little different. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes it is so i want to thank you for um, being a guest on the podcast i'm really excited to share you with everybody because Mm -hmm. i've just enjoyed you i know the rest of the team has too Um, and so for folks who know sarah box coaching and consulting and have wondered how does she consistently have content well now you know because maria's been there for the past year helping with the blog posts and writing and you'll hear more from her um, as we go forward and you've met summer and recently you met sammy so i think we have like this whole girl thing multi-generational thing going on here so <laughs> with rosie bringing it on up in right
2: she's got she's got the caboose there <laughs>
1: literally and figuratively
2: absolutely all right
1: hey so thanks again and um we'll talk to you soon
0: sounds great